confessions of a 20-something. I hope the new year is treating everyone well. Um, I know it's been a while since I've recorded, but I am back. I've been really busy with a new job and everything that comes along with that. So just getting kind of just finding my footing with that job. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get into a rhythm and so I've been doing that. Um, I also celebrated my 27th birthday and I've just kind of been just hanging out and trying to enjoy um, my off days but I this is this is honestly my third or fourth time recording this episode or attempting to record this episode, so today I'm in a better mood, and I'm not as tired, so I think this will go a lot more smoothly, but today I wanted to discuss veganism and um, whether or not it is sustainable for everyone, and then we'll also get into some other random topics um, later on that I've just been thinking about. So, is veganism sustainable? I came up with this episode topic after I saw a meme on Instagram regarding veganism, and it stated, I was told that all vegans are white and privileged. I've been vegan for a while now, and I'm still waiting on my privilege card to come in the mail. Have you gotten yours yet? That was what the meme said, and on some levels it resonated with me because I do feel that for a while there was a stereotype of what vegans and vegetarians look like phenotypically. Um, people do tend to think that veganism is also exclusive to certain races and ethnicities, although I do think that everyone is starting to come to the realization that anyone can be vegan and we come from all different races and ethnicities and backgrounds um and on the on the note of on the topic of vegans and vegetarians looking a certain way phenotypically they assume that there typically is an assumption that everyone is very thin or um, white so you know that and then typically when people come across a vegan that maybe isn't doesn't fit into that box or that um, that stereotype they're kind of shocked and they're like oh but I thought all vegans were this or that and it, it's just it 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 just becomes a little bit awkward, uh, but I, I do think it's getting better, and people are realizing that um, literally anyone can be vegan. And I know that that is going to contradict some of the other things that I say later on in this episode, but um, I do think it's important to address that, that part. Um, but onto the second part of the meme where it mentions privilege. I want to start out by saying that privilege is not the absence of struggle. 
but rather the ability to do certain things with more ease or with less of a struggle. So I do believe that we all have some type of privilege, whether it be um, privilege that's based on our looks, such as your, your face, like pretty privilege, or skinny privilege, or there's colorism, there's um, general racism, there's privilege that's associated with being a part of so certain socioeconomic statuses, um, things like that. So I do believe that most of us do have some sort of a privilege. And now we may not all have the same privileges, but we, we each have them. Um, and some of us may have less than others, less or more, but yeah. Um, at one time, at one point in time, I believed that veganism could be accessible to everyone. And I know I said earlier that anyone could be vegan. And when I said that, I meant anyone from any race or ethnicity or background. But as far as accessibility, um, it may not be as accessible or as realistic for everyone. And I believe that it takes a certain amount of privilege to be vegan with ease. For instance, um, you do need to have access to a grocery store with vegan food and fresh vegetables. And I will say that most grocery stores in major metropolitan areas will carry vegan food, but the amount that they carry um, may vary depending on the demand for it in that area. So one thing that I've kind of noticed is that if you live like, if you live in Austin or you live in a more progressive, a big progressive city that maybe politically leans more towards um, like liberalism um, or the liberal spectrum of the political, you know, spectrum or whatnot, um, you'll, you'll have more vegan options, there will be more vegan restaurants more stores with vegan foods, more natural and health food stores in those areas, um, so that thus it is easier to be vegan if you live in one of those areas. But there are still places um, where there's food deserts and you can't, you may have to drive long distances to get to a health food store or a store that has vegan food or fresh vegetables. And sometimes um, in these areas, the only place that you can get food is like a corner store. Or I know in like if you live in on the East Coast, 
they may call them bodegas or just whatever, you know, basically a corner store or a gas station. And a lot of times they don't have vegetables, they don't have like vegan options. So you just kind of get whatever is available to you. In those circumstances, it is difficult or it may be difficult to be vegan. Also, even if you live in an area where there, is, there are vegan options and there's vegan food at the grocery store, um, you may have to go to different stores to get what you need because while veganism is becoming more popular, um, everyone doesn't carry everything. So you may find some things that you need or want at one store and then you have to drive across town to get the other things that you want. And you need transportation to do all of this. So if you don't have a car, that can make it more difficult to access the things that you need. And the next thing that would make veganism difficult is the planning aspect. Um, and this could work well, let me start by explaining that even though veganism is becoming more widely available at restaurants and things like that, you still, there's still not many options. Like you can't just go to a gas station or any restaurant and get a vegan meal that is satiating. You may have to drive. Even if you live in one of those areas where there are vegan restaurants, they're still few and far between in comparison to all the non-vegan restaurants. So like, if you're not vegan and you, you wanna go out for lunch while you're at work, then you can go to like the McDonald's next to your, your job, or you can go to Panda Express, or you can go to like Burger King or there's just all these options even if you don't want fast food there's still options but as a vegan um, those options are kind of limited so you do have to plan your meals ahead of time um, especially if you don't want to eat out or you don't have money to eat out every day because it does become expensive to eat lunch out every day um, and that, the planning aspect can take, um, can take time because you have to think about what you want to eat before you even make it to the store. So for me, and I don't know if other vegans do this, but I will typically sit down and kind of think about like, okay, these are the meals I want to have for this week, so I need these ingredients to make these meals. And it goes something like that. So another part of that planning aspect is when you get to the store, looking at the food labels um, to ensure that what you're getting is vegan. And for some people that's just a lot of work and they, they would rather not do it. Um, they don't want to have to think about, you know, 
is this vegan or is it not? Do I have to like research what yellow number five is or why this type of sugar is not vegan but cane, you know, organic cane sugar is, like, that's just too much for some people. Um, And I was talking with someone about this a week or two ago, and I I had mentioned that I I think it also takes, aside from privilege, it kind of also takes a certain personality type to be vegan in the world that we live in, because there's no vegan section necessarily at the store like you can go to an aisle where there's vegan mock meats and that makes it a lot easier to shop but as far as um when it comes to picking out like pastas or pasta sauces um buying your snacks or in general, just buying any type of prepackaged food, or even down to like peanut butters or jellies, because some sugars are not vegan. So you have to be willing to like look at the food labels. And if you go to a restaurant that's not exclusively vegan, then you have to be willing to ask the waiter, like, hey, can this be made vegan? Or what is in this? that could possibly make it non-vegan and are you able to to take that item out to make it vegan some people are not willing to do that because it's that to be honest it it is a lot of work (laughs) um so when I say I think it takes a certain personality type um there are there are different types of personalities so there's type a Um, And I think they're also color-coded, so if you're interested in learning more about this, you can Google it. It's all over Google, you know. Um, But a type A personality is somebody that is very very organized, kind of high-strung, very goal-oriented kind of person. And I think a lot of times people who become vegan and they're able to be successful at it do have type A personalities because when you think about it, you have to be incredibly organized, especially if you went vegan before, um, I would say, 2018 or 2019 because there weren't very many options. And you had to make everything yourself. So those people were very organized. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and other personality types. And it's not a bad thing at all. People have different personality types. They, They just may not be as open to the amount of planning and things like that that come with being vegan. So that's something else that may make veganism not as accessible for everyone or not as doable for everyone. Another thing is the cost. Um, the co- It gets complicated, but I do believe that sometimes being vegan can be a bit more expensive um 
the cost of meat is going up the cost of everything is going up because of inflation but um what i've noticed is that when you're vegan the food is more calorically dense if you're eating um whole foods so a meal of like beans and rice and vegetables you may need more of that to get full than if you just had like two pieces of chicken with a little bit of rice and some vegetables um you may get full a lot quicker so you don't need as much food but it the point that I'm trying to make with that is that you tend to need a larger quantity of food because not only is it more calorically dense, but because it's plant-based food, uh, you tend to di digest it a lot quicker, so you get hungry faster, and you're having to eat a little bit more. At least that's what that's what I noticed when I went vegan, is I had to eat more frequently, and I also had to eat... Um, larger quantities of food than what I ate when I wasn't vegan. And so that can become expensive because vegetables are not necessarily cheap. And yeah, and if you buy the vegan mock meats, you don't get the same amount for the money that you're paying versus you know versus when you buy regular meat so if you buy you know a, a bag of chicken legs or something or turkey legs or whatever it seems that you can get more of those for what you're paying for and for instance like if you get six to ten chicken legs you might maybe that's like six dollars um but if you get the small bag of vegan chicken nuggets it's also going to be six dollars but you're going to need more to get full so you might have to buy, buy two bags and depending on how many people you're feeding if it's just you then sure that might be doable but if you're feeding two people or more then you can see where that might become more expensive. Um, so I, I've always felt that it's kind of inappropriate to shame people for not being vegan. I see that a lot on social media, people being kind of unforgiving to, and, and just kind of rude and nasty to non-vegans because they're saying, oh, you know, that they talk about the suffering of animals, they talk about how it's wrong, or it's so easy to be non-vegan, beans and rice are cheap, but I think they don't think about the other factors that go into being vegan, and they don't think about the privileges that they themselves have, because sometimes when you're so intertwined into something you 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 don't see the full picture um and i can relate that to like culture 
and um, how a lot of people don't think that um, like America has a culture or Americans have a culture. There is a culture. It's just that you're very enmeshed into it. So you can't really see it until you leave the country and you immerse yourself in a culture that's totally different from the one that you're accustomed to and then you realize like oh yeah there is a culture um anywhere that there's people you know mixing and mingling there's going to be culture uh, we, we come up with our own rules our own social rules our own customs and yeah and and it's it's the same when it comes to privileges especially when you're accustomed to having those privileges um a lot of times certain privileges that we have um that are financial or just socioeconomic related sometimes they're passed down or you were in some way set up to have that privilege earlier on in your life because of your your family your family structure or or something of that nature for instance um if you know you were able to get a car without having to pay for it because your parents paid for it or your parents pay for your apartment, or they pay for, like, half your bills or something like that, that's less for you to focus on. So then you have more money, more energy, more time to expend on other things. Um, so that is a privilege, but some people may not think of it that way because they're enmeshed into it, and for them it's just normal. But they don't realize that like a lot of people may not have that and it can make life increasingly difficult um, if you don't have certain privileges or access to certain things. Um, so that's kind of my take on veganism. Do I think it's sustainable? I think it can be depending on where you are in your life, um, the things you have to focus on, do you have the mental capacity to devote to it? And are you able to, like, finance it? Because it can be expensive depending on the type of vegan that you are, depending on your lifestyle. Um, another thing that I didn't mention is if you don't have time to cook as a vegan, there are um, there's meal prep agencies or companies that you can order from, and there's also um, you can just eat out sometimes. If, if the restaurants are accessible to you. But those are all things that you have to have 
extra money to do. So there's that. Um, but to circle back to my answer to that question, is veganism sustainable? I think it can be sustainable, just depending on whether or not you have access to the things that you need for it to be sustainable. And are you in a place mentally where you can sustain it? And I don't think that we should be encouraging people to go vegan or shaming them for not being vegan without discussing those things first. We need to be realistic about what it is, what it means, and what it takes to be vegan in the world that we live in. So that is all that I have to say about that. And we are going to move into our random topic segment. episode is running a little bit long but we're going to go ahead and get into our random topic segment um i guess i'll start off with coffee (laughs) we're going to talk about coffee because um for a long time i didn't understand when i would see these memes and i would see people say oh, but coffee first, like they need, like the first thing they had to do before they could do any other task that day was drink coffee. I didn't understand why, but I think I've finally gotten to the point in life where I understand it. And what I understand it as is people self-medicating with coffee and maybe that, that maybe that sounds um, a little bit extreme, but when we think about, when we're realistic about what coffee is, is it's a drug, it's a stimulant, um, and it tends to improve people's mood and make them more productive, and I think that's why it's something that's accepted in society. Um, and in, in a lot of different cultures, people um, drink coffee and, and black tea and just kind of like caffeinated things. And so I think sometimes people will self-medicate with coffee and, you know, to, to get through the day. Um, I know specifically for me, there are some days where I can't drink coffee because I do have anxiety and it just kind of propels me into a panic attack. Um, I can typically tell when it's going to be one of those days. So I will refrain from drinking coffee if I wake up and... I'm already feeling anxious, um, 
But on other days where I might feel like it's difficult for me to get things done or to get through the day or I'm just having a rough time, I'm okay with coffee and it doesn't propel me into an anxiety attack. And instead, what it does is, um, well, what I feel like it's doing, and this may not be accurate, I'm just, this is just how I feel, (laughs) but I feel like it it puts me into a mild state of, um, an almost manic kind of state to where I'm very productive, I'm a lot more talkative, my mood is kind of elevated, um, And I can just get a lot more done and I don't feel as tired. And when I say tired, I don't mean like I didn't get enough sleep. I mean like just tired. And I know everyone has been in that place where they've slept. You're rested. You got your six to eight or nine hours, but you you just feel like you can't get through the day. And sometimes that could be a symptom of depression or burnout. Um, I won't get too deeply into that because I, I, I would encourage, like, if you're experiencing that, you to see a therapist um, or to talk to someone. But I will say that um, burnout and depression can, can, be, can look similar. Um, so it, it does take, you, you do have to um, monitor yourself, kind of. And as odd as it sounds, collect data on yourself to see if, you know, is it, and and talk to a professional about it while you're collecting that data on yourself. Don't just try to self-diagnose because that, that's just not good. Um, But you, you want to collect data to see if it's depression or if it's burnout, if you're just doing a lot. And it's your body trying to tell you that you need to take a break or that you need to um, practice better self-care habits. But yeah, so that that's, um, those are my random thoughts on coffee. Um, the next topic is workout culture or the fitness culture um, that I've run into on social media. And if you're on social media, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook, you kind of come across different um, subcultures. So there's this fitness culture and, and this is no, I, I don't, I'm not saying this to shame anyone or um, 
anything because I think we all have our coping mechanisms. And I think that sometimes when people are immersing themselves into something a lot, like it becomes an obsession kind of, sometimes that can be their way of coping with something. They're getting something from that thing, from that obsession. Um, and and I, I do believe that for some people it's exercising or it's, it's going to the gym and working out. Um, and while exercise is good for you, I don't think it's healthy to obsess about it. Um, and I thought about, I started thinking about this when I was on Facebook and there's this page for vegan women and a lady asked about calorie counting and she asked do vegans count calories and she said she was trying to lose weight and all these things you know and I was looking at the comments and there was this comment from a woman um who was commenting on the original post and I forgot to add that the the lady who posted the um comment asking about if vegans count calories because she was trying to lose weight and she was wanting to stay between you know I think she said 1200 to 1500 calories a day and so there was a, a woman that had commented and she was saying you know that's not enough for an adult you know you and, and then she went on to say about how she eats, you know, 18,000 to 2,400 calories a day. And that helped her with gaining muscle mass. And you can't expect to make gains if you're only eating 1,200 calories a day, etc. And then she goes on to post pictures of herself and... Um, talk about the calorie counting app that she uses. So my problem with this <laughs> is that everyone is different and everyone has a different body type. So when you tell someone that you know, and also everyone has a different level of activity, everyone burns calories differently, lives a different lifestyle. So for some people, 1200 calories might be enough. Also depends on like how tall you are. There's different factors that play into that. And I don't think that just a random person off the internet should be telling someone how many calories they need to eat per day. So maybe if you're talking to your doctor and you're consulting like a nutritionist, then they can tell you, okay, you know, based off of XYZ, this may be how many calories you should be consuming per day. But I also think that 
you know, if your health is not severely in jeopardy, like you need to, you know, the doctor says, if you don't lose weight, you might have a heart attack or you might die or something, you know, it may not be necessary for you to like count calories. I do think that our bodies tell us what we need and how much of it we need depending on what we're doing that day. Um, Hormones can also play a part in how hungry you are or how much food you need to eat. So there's a lot of different factors that play into that, but I do find that a lot of times um, with the fitness culture online, they try to push um, a certain aesthetic, like a certain body type, and they tried to tell you how much you should be eating, what you should be eating, and it, it all becomes very toxic and unhealthy, and people obsess over it, and honestly, I think it's more unhealthy to obsess over what you're eating and to, to constantly have to, to count calories. Sometimes I'm also a part of a fitness group um, where women talk about like their fitness journeys and everything like that. It's interesting to see. But sometimes I'll see people post things like oh, I'm on this new diet where I only eat, you know, 500 calories every other day. And then the rest of the time I'm fasting or I only eat once a day and I'll eat all my calories that one in that one setting. And I have seen that there are some studies that say that or that support intermittent fasting, which is what that is when you only eat like once a day or like a small window of time. And that can be fine. I just think it it may be a little extreme to eat all of your calories in one day. So if you're sitting down at night or at four or five o'clock to eat like 1200 to 2000 calories and that just I, I don't know it just seems to me that that would be a lot of food to digest at one time and maybe it would be like digest like disruptive to your digestive system at least I know for me I don't think that would work for me but that's that that's my take on the fitness culture um another thing that I wanted to talk about was makeup um I can't a a lot of the topics that I talk about on here come from short clips that I see on TikTok or uh, memes that I see on social media so something else that I came across was this video of a woman talking about how in the early 2000s, the marketing strategies for makeup 
changed from looking good for men to looking good for yourself. And they started to sell us the, um, the idea that we were wearing makeup for ourselves. Um, and, and her argument was that, that that's not true and that women wear makeup for men. And so I thought this was a good topic for discussion. And my, my take on that topic is that women don't necessarily always wear makeup for men. I do think that sometimes, most of the time, women wear makeup to compete with other women um, and also to, to fit the societal standards of what we should look like. So for instance, um, a trend that has been really, really popular for the last few years is people overlining their lips because there, there's been a trend of having full, fuller lips. Um, and so I don't think that that, I think people are doing that to fit into the, that expectation of like, this is what's pretty, this is what's trendy right now, or people will do their makeup to make their eyes look bigger because that is seen as, there, there are certain traits that people deem more attractive. So I think sometimes that's what, um, is being mimicked when we do our makeup. So there's that, um, but I do I do think that we have been um, conditioned to think of doing makeup as something that we do for ourselves and something that like is self care and kind of like the whole self-care, how self-care has become exploited for, for money, kind of. Like these big companies are pushing the idea of self-care, saying, oh, you know, come have a self-care day, come spend $200 at our spa, or, you know, buy this self-care box for $50 or something of that, you know, something ridiculous. Um, ensure that can be self-care at times. There's different types of self-care. But I think the most important kind of self-care is taking care of your yourself mentally because you can you can buy those things. You can do the type of self-care where you spend $200 at the mall or, you know, you, you go shopping or you buy that self-care box from a social media influencer that's $50 or $80 and you, you get some kind of immediate um, You'll, you'll feel good for a little while or a few minutes because, you know, you've, you've released endorphins, you've, whatever. 
Um, but in the long run, you haven't really fixed the problem. Whatever you were needing to address, whatever you needed self-care for, you still haven't addressed it. You have only, um, you have only done retail therapy, <laughs> and that doesn't address the problem. Just like if you're going through a breakup, um, you just you you go to the mall and you buy a bunch of stuff and you get your nails done and you get your hair done and you spend all these money on all this money on these external things but you don't you're not working on the feelings that are inside you're just kind of putting them aside you're ignoring them you're stuffing them down not addressing what needs to be addressed and sometimes that is the best option but in the long run you do need to address those things um, and that is that is the real self-care when you can address those things um, and that's when you'll feel better and you'll no longer feel the need to you know, have retail therapy or other things that may be maladaptive. But that is that. I kind of talked about several things under the topic of makeup. Um, and I don't want to make this episode too much longer because I realized that I have been rambling a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and end it here. There are a few more topics that I wanted to talk about, but I will save those for a different episode. I definitely want to do an episode on um, dating and social work. I have a lot to say about both of those topics, and so, um, here in the near future, I will be putting out an episode on that. Um, I think the next major topic will be social work. I definitely want to do a topic on what do social workers do? How much do they make? How do you become a social worker? What, a day in a life? What does an average day look like for different types of social workers? Things like that. Um, do you need a license? How do you maintain it? All of those kind of things that you don't really learn in school all the time. I think those would be really good topics of discussion for people who are considering social work or maybe you're just curious um, and you just want to know like why would anyone want to do social work because <laughs> a lot of times I think when we talk about social work um, people just think of like child protective services or something like that and they think of paperwork and not you know so I just want to 
talk about that. Um, but I am going to go ahead and end this episode. So thank you all for listening and I will talk to you soon. Just kidding. I am actually not finished. Um, there was one more thing that I wanted to share. Uh, before I go, I just wanted to thank all of my listeners. Um, I was looking at the demographics for where people are listening to my podcast. Um, so almost half of my listeners are in Germany. Um, that's to be specific, 41% in Hesse, Germany, and 59% from the U.S. Now, I'm not sure how it's my podcast has made it all the way to Germany, <laughs> but um, somehow it has, so I just wanted to thank you guys for listening, and um, yeah, I'm not sure if that is accurate or what could be going on there, but somehow it's made it there so yeah um and in the u.s i have 74 percent listeners from texas um and then the rest are a very small percentage from oregon oklahoma washington and florida so yeah thank you all for listening Okay, I just wanted to share that because I think it's always interesting um, to know where your listeners are from, and yeah. Okay, now I am actually saying goodbye. Okay, thank you for listening. Bye.